you know, most of you, you know that, um, you know, Israel has been attacked um, and by Hamas. Uh, obviously, the, the Palestinians, you know, terrorist group, and this thing's been ongoing, but this was a pretty, a pretty, major, uh, pretty major attack. Um, and it looks like, you know, if, if the people who think about these things are right, it looks like, uh, I mean, Iran's probably behind it, the possibility of even Russia. So, uh, folks, uh, it's, it's getting close. There's, uh, there's things going on, but uh, the reality on the ground is um, it was a, you know, uh, obviously a, a surprise attack, very well coordinated, uh, a very large effort, uh, a lot of planning and everything went into it. It wasn't just, uh, as uh, the news media would often have you uh, believe, just some disgruntled people throwing rocks because they're being mistreated. No, it was a lot more than that. Uh, folks, we, um, um, you know, we sit by here and we talk about the God of Israel all the time. And don't, you know, make no mistake, Jesus Christ was the God of Israel. God chose the Israelites, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He said, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. Right? God chose the nation of Israel as his people. Now, most of us in here, maybe there's somebody that's part Jewish, maybe somebody that's Jewish that I'm unaware of, but most of us in here are not Jewish. You say, what is it like to be not God's chosen people? Well, praise the Lord, I'm a Christian, <laughs> right? Actually, I think I have a better lot. Uh, but physically on this earth, God chose the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel is very special to, uh, to God's heart. And... And, and you and I have to, to remember that. Back in Genesis, uh, it says this, Genesis 12, God's talking to Abraham. And the Lord said unto Abraham, uh, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. God told Abraham where to go. God told Abraham what land he was to inherit. Uh, and I will make of thee, God said, a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be blessed and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. Right? That's the promise that God made to Abraham. And then he clarified it and said that it would pass down through Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel and what we now know as the nation of Israel. And never forget that God said, I'll bless those that bless thee and curse those that curse thee. So even though you and I aren't necessarily Israelites, by blood, you know what? The best thing we can do, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is to pray for the peace of Israel. Amen. Pray for uh, the Israelis. Pray that God will protect them. Pray that God will, hey, God has historically throughout, you know, many, many, many generations stepped in and fought uh, for Israel and, and helped Israel win battles that everybody else looking at militarily would have thought there was no way they could win. God is not going to let his people um, be destroyed. I promise you that. And so when we see something like this happen, folks, it ought to trigger in our mind a, a, you know, a heart and a love for the nation of Israel, even though we're not Israelites. Whatever nationality you may be, wherever you may have come from, doesn't matter at all. What we're after here, if, if you uh, agree with me, we're after what God wants, right? Because God's God. And if God wants to choose Israel above all people, well, he can do that. And he did. And so, uh, so pray for the nation of Israel. Um, God gave that land to the nation of Israel. And quite frankly, if you really want to know, I didn't put a map up to show you, but if you really want to know the extent of the land that God gave Israel and they're going to get back, it goes from the Mediterranean all the way over to the Euphrates. And it goes all the way down into the Nile, to the river, all the way down into Egypt. It's not just that little strip of land that they have currently, right? God gave, God gave the nation of Israel, you, you read through the Bible and you'll find he gave them all of that land. And one of these days when he comes back, they're going to get it. Amen? Amen. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so so pray, for, uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, <clears throat> uh, this morning, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to be preaching on Israel and the conflict in Israel as, as tempting as, as that might be. 
Um, I'm going to be covering some things that are kind of designed to, um, to help Christians, to help specifically young Christians. Uh, a while back, uh, if you remember, I kind of decided to take some time and, and preach just on some basic Christian principles, basic Christian things. My reason for, uh, for doing that was uh, threefold. Number one, we have some newer Christians in the congregation, and you know many of them haven't heard these things before. And it'll help them build a new uh, and a good foundation. Uh, second reason is we have some young people who are growing up and, and, you know, every year more and more of them hit that age where they're able to understand and they're able to comprehend uh, some deeper things about God. And the Lord begins working in our children's lives. And so we want them not to lose out on the basic principles. And the third thing is, you know, for us old seasoned Christians, you, uh, you've been saved for a while You've, uh, you've walked with the Lord for a while, and, and I know that is the case for most of you. Uh, it is just a good thing to be reminded of these things, because we, the old seasoned veterans, so to speak, we're the ones that have a tendency, or, or are most likely, quite frankly, to let some of these things slip. Uh, and so it's good for us just to be reminded, and to be renewed in our mind, and just to, uh, to sit back and be, you know, have our hearts and our minds refreshed in the basic, simple things of God. And so, uh, so that's what I'm kind of uh, doing. That's what I've kind of been doing. Last week, I preached uh, a little bit on uh, striving to achieve a little higher for God in your life. Uh, we talked about more attention to the Bible, as in, you know, just reading your Bible, more attention to the Sabbath, uh, as, in, uh, as in, you know, just uh, more attention to church. Make it when you can. Uh, I realize schedules are crazy, and that's just the world we live in, but when you can, make it. Um, we talked about more attention to appearance, um, you know, how you adorn yourself, and, and you know, one of the, one of the things that kind of ran through my mind as I was thinking about that was, um, have, you noticed, have you noticed how people dress nowadays for funerals? I mean, there are some things, folks, that should just... You know, there should be a, a, a higher level where you, you're showing respect and honor and, you know, and it's worthy of putting in a little forth effort. And somehow or another in our culture, we've kind of lost that mentality. So, you know, so we, uh, we address that. Um, and the, uh, the final thing that I talked about last week was just more attention to sacrifice, giving of yourself, realizing that, hey, there's a whole bunch of people around you in need uh, and look for opportunities to give of yourself. Uh, this week, I want to look at another passage of Scripture uh, that covers several passages or, and, and or pr several principles, excuse me, and traits that will help a Christian. Uh, once again, these are pretty fundamental, basic principles from the Bible, but they are necessary if you want to have a successful Christian life. Uh, if you're looking to find in this life joy, peace, contentment, fulfillment, purpose, those types of things, these are some critical components and, and things that, that will help you and, and help you to achieve those goals in your, wife, in your life. So this week, I would like for you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning, and I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verse 1 through 12, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, the Bible says this, it says, likewise ye wives, uh, be in subjection to your own husbands, that... If any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that uh, outward adorning of the plating of hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, uh, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, uh, in the sight of God, of great price. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjections unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, likewise, as in husbands, you're supposed to do the same types of things. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, 
Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or rattling for rattling, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called and that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips uh, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for an opportunity to be here uh, in the the house of God, uh, getting a chance to open the word of God. Uh, Father, I do pray that you'd meet with us here this morning, that uh, the words of God would penetrate our hearts uh, Father, you know the things that we struggle with. You know the places where we need a little nudge, some encouragement, uh, some correction, maybe some redirection. So, Father, pray that you just help us here this morning and um, uh, give these people what they need. Father, it is certainly not me. Uh, it is not uh, by any means the words that I'm saying or the thoughts of my mind. It is uh, the words of God that minister to the hearts of God's people. And so I ask you, Father, to put me aside and that you would do your work, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I've titled this message this morning, uh, again, uh, Christian Character and Conduct. It is uh, not, not a, a deep doctrinal uh, exhortation. It is just some basic things, folks, that, that you and I as, um, as Christians ought to keep in mind, and that, that ought to become a part of our character. And they ought to show in our, in our conduct. Um, and I, I pray that the Spirit of God will bear witness to the truth of these things, uh, and that you'll not only adopt them in your life, but ladies and gentlemen, that you will pass them along to your children, to your grandchildren. This is how the whole process is supposed to work, right? We learn the things and we pass them along to our children. So once you begin to get a hold of these things in your life, well, begin to instill them in your children. Begin to instill them in your grandchildren, you know, your nieces, your nephews, people you have contact with, other Christians. Why? Well, because if more people followed these things, I tell you what, this world would be a much better place uh, to live in. Amen? And you may not be able to affect everything globally, but you can certainly affect your little sphere of influence. You can affect your family. You can affect your fa- friends. You can affect your workplace. You can affect a lot of people around you. So, so it's, it's good for... Uh, you know, for you and I to work on these things on a, on a regular basis. Um, now, 1 Peter chapter 3 is known as one of those passages in the Bible, uh, along with Ephesians, uh, that's known for, uh, you know, for addressing the subject and spelling out how, you know, the woman is to be in subjection to the man. And it does. Right? And many people get very upset at that principle. But what you need to know is this, uh, subjection goes way beyond just the husband and wife relationship. Amen? Uh, Subjection, you know, subjection is foundational. Uh, It's a foundational principle uh, for every man, woman, and child. Every one of us needs to understand that whole idea of being in subjection. Because at some level, every one of us, man, woman, or child, is in subjection to somebody somewhere along the way. Right? And it's the principle that becomes very important. So the first Christian characteristic that I want you to see this morning is uh, very simply this, that characteristic of authority. Authority. It says this. It says you'll never, um, right, you'll never be successful and happy as a Christian if you don't get this issue of authority in your heart settled. It says in 1 Peter, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Ladies, uh, and I know most of you here are already saved. Most of you here, your husbands are already saved. But you probably know some ladies who are Christians who are married to unsaved husbands. One of the greatest pieces of advice you can give them is to be in subjection to their husband and to follow the principles of God because that man will begin to see something in that woman that will speak louder to him than the Bible will. You say that's blasphemy. No, the reality is, is he doesn't even want to listen to the Bible. So he's not going to. But he'll notice what his wife does. 
And the Lord recognized that fact. And the Lord said, hey, uh, if, you're, if you're here or you know somebody that's, that's, that's uh, saved and they, they're born again, they're a child of God, but they're married to a lost man, uh, encourage them and help them and, 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 and tell them that, hey, doing the right thing, being in subjection to your husband, is going to have a huge impact on that lost man. And, and there's a really good chance that you might wind up leading him to the Lord because you went out of your way to do something proper in the Bible, Right? Uh, and we've, we've seen that happen. I know that we just got an email not too long ago from uh, Christine about Bill walking the aisle and getting saved. We've been praying for him for ever since I've been here. And I know you guys are praying for him as a church since before I got here as a pastor. Well, praise the Lord when that happens. That's a blessing. And she followed this, and that's, that's what she did. Um, so many people get upset about that principle. Um, but again, you know, the, the question that you have to answer, the question that you and I have to answer at some level, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Who is the boss? Right? I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to in, in a very simple terms. Who is the boss? Who is it that I need to be in subjection to? You know what most people, you know why most people struggle and what they have a, a struggle and a problem with this? Um, they have a problem with this because it deals with the issue of authority, right? And the fact of the matter is, folks, for the most part, you and I don't like being told what to do. We kind of want to do our own thing. It's human nature. We're all that way to one way, to, you know, to one degree or another. Um, you know, we don't like being told when we're wrong. Right? You've all seen the, the cartoons. I'm not arguing. I, I'm just explaining why I'm right. <laughs> right? Um, and, and in our minds, we are right all the time. Well, folks, uh, you know, why, why do we fall into that trap? What is the, you know, what is the, the characteristic that, that gets us into that trap? Well, the reality is we fall into that trap because we want to be the one that's in authority. We want to have the final say. And, the, and it's only getting worse in our country and around the world, in all fairness. Um, why do you think that is? There's more and more people that are bucking authority. You see it all the time. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the devil is having more and more influence in the lives of people. Amen. Right? The devil is stirring things up. The devil's having more and more influence, and quite frankly, the devil doesn't want men and women to understand this, uh, you know, this subject, this principle of, of authority, um, because he wants to come in, and he's going to force control, and, and so he doesn't, he doesn't want you to be in, under authority of your husband, or your parents, or God. More and more, what you see is everybody abandoning that. And what they, what they want to do is be in, under authority of the government. They want the government. They look to the government as the authority. The government will tell me what to do. The government will tell me what to think. The government will tell me what shot to get. The government will tell me all these things. And people more and more and more look, that, look to the government to tell them those things. They're not independent, right? They don't look to their husband. They don't look to God. They, they begin to look to the government. And, and, and all this, the, the devil has to do during, uh, you know, the, the tribulations come in and take over the government. And now who are, is everyone looking to? And that's what's going to happen. Right? This, um, this subject of, um, of authority. I know that, um, you know, I know that wives get this verse thrown at them all the time. And it's really too bad. And I, ladies, I apologize because men have taken these, these passages and other passages like it and really abused them. It's not right. There's a balance in it, as it should be. Um, men should learn the proper balance on these verses, right? But, just for a, a smile this morning, um, Smith and Jones were discussing the question of who should be the head of the house, the man or the woman. I'm the head of my establishment, said Jones. I'm the breadwinner. Why shouldn't I be? Well, replied Smith, before my wife and I were married, we made an agreement that I should make all the rulings on the major things, and my wife uh, can make all the rulings on the minor things. Well, how's that working out, asked Jones. Smith smiled and says, well, so far, uh, no major matters have come up. 
<laughs> you know, so we make jokes about this all the time. Uh, but, the, but the reality is, the reality, folks, is this. People struggle with authority uh, because Romans 8, 7 says this. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject, oh, there's subjection. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You know why most people struggle with the whole idea of authority and subjection? Because they're using their carnal mind, not their spiritual mind. Now, if you're lost, you're really going to struggle with it. But as a Christian, you've got to get beyond this, this place where you're using your carnal mind and thinking, you know, I know what's best. And you've got to be able to see things spiritually, through spiritual eyes. And when you do that, you begin to see God is so much wiser, so much greater, so much more powerful, so much stronger. He knows the beginning from the end. God's got this whole thing worked out. God knows where everything is going. You ever been around somebody that was just a complete expert at their job? And you were a rookie? You know how, you know how wise it is to sit back and listen to them and learn? Right? I've been, uh, I've been helping Andre, uh, you know, build this house. And he's the expert, and I'm the rookie. I'm the old man, he's the young man. But he knows this field much better than I do. I, he said, give me a hammer. I said, what's a hammer? No, it's not that bad. <laughs> but you know what I find myself doing? And he's probably tired of it already. I'm constantly asking him questions. Hey, where does this go? How does this work? Why, why are we doing this? What's going to happen next? Why? Because I know this. I know that he knows more than I do about it. And it would be really silly for me to help him build his house for my daughter and for me to tell him what to do, seeing as I don't know what to do next. <laughs> Trust me, when Aubrey got up in the morning and went to turn on the water and the light came on <laughs> and she turned off the light and the toilet flushed and she went to go downstairs and the stairs crumbled, I would hear about it. <laughs> Hey, that's a simple illustration, but listen, same way with God. We don't know what we're doing like God knows what we're doing, right? So let's be under his authority. Let's be under subjection to him because he knows best. And even though we, don't, we may not see it, God knows what he's doing. I promise you, right? God knows what he's doing. People struggle because they use their carnal mind. Uh, you know, we have this attitude. I'm, I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. Right? How about this one? I like this one. Uh, I'm right. I'm always right. One time I thought I was wrong, but I found out I was right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the way, that's the way we think. Um, like I said, wives, you know what the, the Bible says? The Bible says, be in subjection to your husband. You say, well, I don't want to be. I, I don't think he can handle it. It didn't ask if you thought he could handle it. God just said it's a good idea. Right? You say, well, I don't see how that's going to work out. I don't see how the house is going to work out either. I mean, in my mind, I think I know what's going to happen. It's going to have a roof later on, some rooms, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know the process to get there. God does. Ephesians puts it like this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. See, that goes so contrary to modern thinking. Ladies, you struggle with that. Men, the reason they struggle with that is because a lot of times you're jerks. How's that for just being blunt and plain? Hey, and the reality is you need to learn not to be that way. And you know what? Your wife will enjoy Submitting to you. I'm not going to ask my wife if that's true or not. <laughs> I will. I'll ask her. Is that true? Yeah. But, but again, it's, it's, a, it's a principle that, that when you follow it and when you try to have the right balance and the right heart, you know what? God blesses it in a way that he can't bless rebellion. It's, it's one of those Christian principles. Of, if you're going to live a life as a Christian and... Uh, you are going to have to, and I'm going to just cover one point today, and then we're going to go home. <laughs> we'll pick the rest of it up. We'll pick the rest of it up later. But 
Uh, but if you're going to live a Christian life, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to address this subject of, of authority. Um, husbands, you know what? It's kind of funny that verse 21, right before, you know, 22 says, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Verse 21 says this, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Hey, there's some submission that you have to do on your part, too. Not only to God, but one to another. There's a balance in it, right? That's a lot of people, you know, they'll harp on uh, Ephesians 5.20, uh, you know, Ephesians, or uh, 1 Peter uh, 3 and Ephesians 5.22, but man, sometimes they'll leave out Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.25, a little later on down the verse uh, in Ephesians, it says this, husband, love your wives. Notice there's really no commandment like that in the, law, in the Bible for the wives to love their husbands. It comes kind of naturally for a wife. Men got to be reminded. God knew what to put in the Bible, <laughs> right? There is, you know, there is a place where the older women are supposed to teach the younger women to love their husbands. That's true. Uh, uh, you're right. That's that. That's, that's a good thing to ladies to pass on down. But the Lord, do, the Lord knew men have to be reminded. They'll forget this. Um, it says, it says here in first Peter, in first Peter three, it says this, likewise, we read that passage after going through all this stuff about the wives, the Lord then addresses the husbands and it says this, likewise, as in, uh, the same for you guys, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, Amen. giving honor unto the wife. Husbands, you know what you need to do? You need to give honor unto your wife. Why? Because you give honor unto where honor is due. Your wife is due honor. Right? She ought to be treated honorably. She ought to be held up. When you honor somebody, you know, you, you lift them up. You, you, for the pardon the phrase, you put them on a pedestal. Right? You treat them special. You go out of your way to make sure that, that they're taken care of. Why? What is that? That's honor. Well, that's what husbands ought to do for their wives. Amen. You know, if, 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 if husbands do that, they'll find that wives would be perfectly happy to be in subjection. Why? Because of how well he's taking care of them. The, the Lord's got it all worked out, but it takes the right balance. It takes both sides. Um, children, children. It says in Ephesians 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. In 1 Timothy, talking about uh, deacons and pastors, it says, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection. Kids, you know, what you need to be, you know who you need, you need to be in subjection to? Your parents. Everyone, everyone is in subjection to somebody. God's at the top. Right? Men, we answer to God. Wives, you answer to your husbands, you answer to God. Children, you answer to your parents, you answer to you know, your mom and your dad, and you answer to God. God is always, always at the top. So you and I, you and I as Christians, we need to learn who's actually in charge. I could, uh, I could go on and on and on for, the, for, for this, but the reality is this. God is in charge. Amen. No matter what you and I think, no matter what our opinion is, God is in charge. And God tells us what to do, how to do it, and oftentimes why in this book. <laughs> you know what, God? God gave us this book, ladies and gentlemen, as an authority. This, this King James Bible that we have here is the final authority. You know why a lot of people get real upset about the King James Bible? Um, because they don't like being in subjection. And the truth of the matter is they want to be able to go whatever version they want to go to and choose the verse that best fits their opinion. And that's what you see happening all the time. Folks, God's not that way. When it comes to authority, God is very, God is very, he's very, you know, uh, specific. God, you know, God put that authority structure in place. And, you know, when, when Korah, Dathan, and Abiram uh, rebelled against Moses, uh, even though they were priests, uh, uh, the Lord looked at them and said, whoa, <laughs> hold on, boys. You're going against somebody that I put in authority. 
And they, uh, they got out there, and Moses is like, uh, hey, you guys, if you think you can be an authority, come on out, and let's see what the Lord does. They get out there, and the Lord opens up the ground and swallows them into the pit alive. All of Israel got a chance to see that. What is that? Well, that was God showing, hey, when I put somebody in authority, they're in authority. Amen. Don't mess with it. God takes the authority thing very seriously. Well, with this book, guess what? God takes his authority very seriously. Do you really think God would have left us here without an authority? As, as uh, adamant as God is when it comes to this, this issue of authority, and I could go on and on and on in the Bible and in and, and life examples, but as adamant as God is when it comes to authority, do you really think he would have left us here with no authority and basically just said, hey, choose whichever one of the 400 versions that you happen to have and whichever one you like best, go ahead and follow it. That's totally contrary to the way God deals with people. Right? And there's lots of reasons. I mean, is 1 John 5, 7 supposed to be in the Bible or not? Because some have it, some don't. How about the end of Mark? Is it supposed to be in the Bible or not? Because some have it, some don't. Well, who gets to decide? You see, what, what we've done is we've taken the authority away from God, the Bible, and we've put it into the opinion of men, and some man says, well, I think this, and people look to him as the final authority because he's obviously much smarter than we are. Well, that doesn't make sense. What if somebody else just as smart says something different? It... God gave us a book, God gave us a final authority, and you know what? We can rest 100% in that book. Listen, our soul depends on what's written in that book. Hey, if 1 John 5, 7 is not supposed to be in the Bible, according to some, now it is in your King James Bible, if the end of Mark is not supposed to be in the Bible, according to some, and it is in this King James Bible, how do you know John 3, 16 is supposed to be there? Right? And it all revolves around this. It all revolves around the issue of authority. Everywhere you go, that, that uh, idea of authority comes up. If you're going to be a happy and a joyful and a, uh, you know, a, a well-adjusted Christian, as backwards as it seems, you have to get this idea of authority down and straight. You, you, have, to, you have to understand it. Right? Um, men submit to God. And it filters down from there. Wives to husbands, children to parents, right? Why? Because they're smarter than you are? No. I know a lot of wives who are smarter than the husbands. I definitely know a lot of wives who are more spiritual than the husbands. Doesn't matter. God didn't give a, you know, he didn't give a um, uh, if-then statement. He just said do that. And if you're more spiritual and you're smarter great. Praise the Lord he gave you the brains and the spiritual discernment to, to see those things. Okay, if you really are more spiritual, then you know how important it is to follow God. <laughs> right? So it shouldn't be hard. But if you want to be happy and joyful as a Christian, listen, you got to get this question figured out. Who's the boss? You or God? In a nutshell, you or God? That's, that's what we're talking about. Um, and then and then, uh, again, I'm just going to stop with one point. We're <laughs> and then we're going to go on to this, uh, um, this place where at some point in time, you're going to find that the Lord takes you, man, woman, or child, and he's going to put you in a place of authority over somebody else. Right? That's a natural course of things. There are leaders, there are followers. At some point in time, you're going to be a leader at something. some point in time, you're going to be a follower at something. It's important you understand that, that relationship. Um, but when you do become the boss, the leader, the strongest, whatever the, the case may be, um, you know what you have to remember? You have to remember, don't serve yourself. You know what the Bible says? It says, help the weak. You know what a good leader does? Helps the weak. You know what God does for you and me? He helps the weak. Right? He's a good leader. He's a good boss. Right? He understands the authority structure. Listen, we have, a, we have an unwritten rule in, uh, in scuba diving. Um, it, and 
the rule kind of, you know, the, the principle kind of goes like this. When, when a bunch of us get together, let's say there's a half a dozen of us, uh, three or four of us, half a dozen, whatever, we get together and we decide we're going to go for a dive. And we, we're planning the dive and where we're going to go, how deep we're going to go, how long we're going to stay down and what, uh, you know, we're going to go inside the shipwreck, we're going to stay outside the shipwreck. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Uh, you're going to go into the cave, you're going to stay out of the cave. Uh, all those things, you know, are, are part of dive planning. And when you begin to plan a dive, you know what you do when you get together with that group is, is you begin to look at the weakest diver. And for the most part, you let them lead. Why? You know why? Because those that are stronger can, can, can still complete that dive. We were... Um, we were diving once, it was over in Lake Wisconsin, and the lake, you know, is, is a pretty deep lake, and so uh, I was, in, I was in, in charge of leading the dive, and so one of the things I did is I sat down and, and um, you know, talked with all the divers, hey, what do you want to do, how comfortable do you feel uh, diving, and what are your objectives, and, you know, how deep do you feel comfortable going, and you get all kinds of different answers, and um, there was, you know, for the, for the majority of the divers, everybody was pretty cool. They, they all wanted to dive down to about 100 feet. And there was one person there that, um, you know, that they were, they were, um, were kind of confident. Yes, uh, I think I want to do a 100-foot dive. I haven't done a lot of those, but, but I think that's what I would like to do. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So I noticed that that person was a little, you know, a little hesitant in their confidence. So I, I paired him up with uh, another diver that I knew was pretty confident and, and could help handle the situation. Hey, you stick with it. You got you two pair up and everybody paired up and I was kind of over the group watching. And so uh, off we take and we go down, we head down and um, we get down to, uh, we just started going down and made it down to about 100 feet, hadn't been down very long at all. And that individual began to panic. <laughs> And the fear got to them and, and you know, just the, your, your mind kind of goes crazy and you begin to think, wow, I'm a hundred feet below the surface of the water and it, and it starts to get dark and, you know, you start to get maybe a little bit of nitrogen narcosis going on down at that, at that uh, depth and, and that nitrogen narcosis elevates your fear and things kind of started spiraling out of control and this diver began to panic and, and then they started to, uh, they, they decided, I got to get out of here. And they started to shoot for the surface. And their partner then began to panic. And then everybody else kind of began to, you know, what's going on? And their partner decided to try to grab the diver and then started to swim up with them. Well, I was far enough away, I couldn't grab the original diver, but I saw the partner, I grabbed the partner, stopped him from going down, from going up, I mean. Right? And I began, to, I began to calm everybody in the group down, began to calm everybody down. We're down at 100 feet. It's like, listen, you can't do this stuff down here. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, uh, and, and you had to kind of take control of that situation. Why? Because a lot of times you get, yourself, you get yourself into a position where the weaker person isn't necessarily ready for what you're doing. Now, that was something that this person was confident they could manage. Imagine if I hadn't bothered to ask. And me being the leader, and I wanted to do the dive that I wanted to do. I would have jumped off. Come on, guys, follow me. Yay! 40, 50, 60. I haven't even taken a breath yet. 70, 80. <laughs> Down. I'm just kidding, right? I'm breathing. I would have hit 100. I would have passed 100. Not even thought twice. 120, 130. I, seriously, I would have went down 140, 150 feet before I'd ever even thought about it, looking up to see if everybody was okay. Let's, if, it, if it was just me. Come on, guys, let's go. Boom, down. I, I've been down there tons of times by myself. 150, 160 feet, looking around. There's some cool things down there that people have put down there for those that you know, can make it down. But you know what would have happened on the way down? Is we would have, get, we would have gotten to that 100-foot mark, 110, and... and, and Peer pressure, peer pressure kicks in. And so people began to push themselves beyond what they're comfortable with. And we would have got past that 100-foot mark, and that, that original diver probably wouldn't have even thought about it because he would have been trying to keep up. And then we would have made it hit 120, 130. And if by some chance we had made it down to 140, every other diver in that group would have suddenly realized they were way beyond their limit, and all of them would have panicked at once. 
Now you're in a situation where you can't control it. There's too many things going on. And that diver that was at 100 foot and shot back up, praise the Lord, we hadn't been down very long. There was no bad side effects. He didn't have the bends, didn't anything like that. If we'd been down there for a, a longer t amount of time, there would have been some serious consequences. But it was short enough time that he, he got by with it. But you start getting down 120, 30, 40, 50 feet, you can't do that. Right? So as the Lord, you know, as the Lord begins to put you in places where you're the authority, you know what you got to consider? You got to consider the people around you. You got to begin to take care of the people around you. Right? Christians, same thing applies. Not every Christian's where you're at. Sometimes you got to be able to take care of the people around you. You got to be aware. What can they handle? What can they not handle? Some, sometimes things to, that seem very easy to you, spiritual principles that seem very easy to you, and, and you've grasped them a long time ago, and for you it's commonplace, they don't really fully understand. They haven't digested yet. And if you jump off into something like that and you take one of them along, they get scared and they bolt to the surface. They bail. Hey, I'm out of here, man. This is way too much. I'm, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm gone. I can't handle this. You, 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 bring a, you bring a lost lady in here who's been indoctrinated into the world and not around Christian principles, and if you take her to 1 Peter 3 and start talking about being in subjection to your husband, 90% of them will never come back again at all. Why? Not ready for it. Right? Not ready for it. So you begin to, you know, you begin to see these, uh, these principles and you, you need to figure out who's the boss. And you know what, Christian? In everything, God's the boss. Amen. You look at what's going on over in the nation of Israel. You say, which side should I be on? Well, guess what? What if, you know, what if, uh, let's just, get, let's just get, get completely random. What if Canada attacks Mexico? You say, whose side should I be on? Well, if you've got relatives in Canada, you're probably going to side with Can the Canadians. If you've got relatives in Mexico, yay, Chicano power, man. If you've got relatives in Mexico, you're going to side with the Mexicans. That's not how you make a decision. You say, what does God say? Right? You look at this thing if, if, with, with Israel. Hey, I don't care what nation you're from. What does God say? Hey, you know what God says? That land is, is Israel's. He says, yeah, but they haven't been perfect. They've abused people. Well, so is every other nation in this country, in this world. Right? Americans are really bad about, you know, bringing up one, you know, one fault. They, they talk about, uh, you see us all the time right now. You know, everybody's all down on America because of slavery, which ended 150 years ago. Okay, great. I'm glad we don't have it anymore. But people are still using that to badmouth America. I'm going, name me a country where that hasn't happened. Name me a country where that hasn't I know the I know the Native Americans, the Indians, they would capture people from other tribes and make them slaves. It happened here before we got here. The Europeans did it. The Spaniards did it. The Mexicans did it. Right? The Africans did it to one another. It was back happening in the Bible times, back over in the Middle East, before anybody even knew about us over here. Name me one country where that hasn't happened. Okay. It's not a country problem, it's a human heart problem. Right? I don't know why I got off on that. <laughs> but the idea is this. The idea is, hey, this authority structure, God holds this thing so important that, that when you begin to look at things, you need to look at them as God looks at them. You say, which country is right over there? Hey, you know what? Side with Israel. Why? God will take care of Israel. Right? 
He'll, God will bless those that bless them and curse them that curse them. Even if it doesn't make sense. Kids, children, we have a hard time because we want to be our own boss. We want to grow up and do our own thing. In time, you'll get there. And when you get there, you'll find out, oh man, this isn't as fun as I thought it was. <laughs> you know, why? Because you got to pay your own bills. You gotta, there's a whole lot of things that come along with that, a bunch of responsibilities. But, but you know what you need to learn along the way? Hey, God said, children, obey your parents. Okay, even though I don't really want to, God knows what he's talking about. I'm going to learn how to do it. When it comes to authority, ladies and gentlemen, the best thing you can do as a Christian is get that thing straightened out so that God is always on top. Amen. Amen. You and I are subject unto the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can get your hearts and your minds there, I promise you, your Christian life will go just multitudes of times better. Amen. God is always right. God is the authority. And when you come to this book, this is how he speaks to us. This is, this is what he gave us. When you come to this book, you go, you know what? Even though I don't necessarily get it, I know God's right. Even though I don't like it, I know God's right. Even though I want to go and do something else, I know God's right. Brethren, when you get there as a Christian, you're making some great progress in the Christian life. Now, there's several other things that I'm not going to have time to even address um, this morning. But this one issue, if you can get this one issue, the issue of authority down, folks, you will be so much happier. You know what it does? It takes the burden off of your shoulders. When you're, when you're trying to be the authority when you're not supposed to be the authority... Man, you're taking on a load that you were never intended to bear. And that load becomes heavy. And what happens is you wind up failing under the, the weight of that load. You can't handle it because you weren't designed to handle it. I can't be God. Can you imagine me trying to make all the decisions God makes? I can't even make the ones I'm supposed to make here. There's so many things going on. Oh, I can't imagine trying to do that for the whole world. I can't be God. I can't bear that burden. It's too heavy for me. It would be foolish for me to try to be God. Right? So no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, if you can get that down, you realize God knows a lot more than I do. God set this thing up because he knew the beginning from the end. And if I can understand God's authority... And if I can submit to God's authority, wherever you're at in that structure, if I can learn to submit to the God's authority, I know things are going to be better for me in the Christian life. Amen? Amen. It's all about submitting to the authority. The problem is we just, we don't want to. We don't like it. We want to do our own thing. We want to be boss. And then we get to be boss, we become a bully. <laughs> so folks, again, and it's, it's about time and, and I'm done. Um, I'll leave you just with, with one point this morning. One point. God is, God is first in everything you do. Amen? God is the authority. God knows what he's doing. And the, the, the better that you can get that down, the happier you're going to be. The authority. When it comes to uh, how God speaks to you, it's in this book right here. This book will tell you exactly what God wants you to know.
It is 100% accurate. It's true. It's proven. It is, it is produced. This, this book has produced more Christians, more missionaries, more pastors. Any other book out there? It is our authority. This is the only reason I can even know what God said. If I didn't have this, how would I know? Would I just make up my own mind about it? Well, that'd be pretty self-serving. <laughs> but because of this book, I know what God says. And he's the boss. Amen? So I'll leave you this morning with that. God's the boss. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for an opportunity just to be here um, to uh, open up the words of God. And Father, just to, to be reminded once again of what a great and mighty and powerful God you are. Uh, Lord, I know that this question of authority uh, is one that men and women struggle with at every level. Father, we're human and, and all of us have a struggle and a hard time being under somebody else's authority. But Lord, you set, you set things up that way. And you set it up that way for a reason. And rather we understand the reason or not, uh, Father, I know this. I know that what you set up is always best. So I pray that you'd help us to get a, a grasp on this thing of authority. Help us, Father, to, to realize just how important it is to you. And help us, Father, to be in the place that you put us. And uh, to do what it is that you told us to do. Help us to have the right heart about it. Um, and Father, when, when we can do that, there is so much joy. There is so much comfort in knowing we are where we're supposed to be. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not out of place. We're not out of line. There's just a, a peace that goes along with that, Father, that is kind of inexplicable. And I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to find that. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.